Hey, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into a special episode of Where Was I Going With This Podcast. My name is Joshua Catlow. As always, joined by my co-host, Cole Bilchin. Uh, We decided to do an impromptu episode this evening for one reason and one very important reason only. Uh, Tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And um, we both have some strong feelings. We both uh, remember pretty clearly, as I'm sure almost every American does, uh, where they were when they first found out about the um, planes hitting the World Trade Center um, and how your mind kind of goes from, is this an accident to, holy shit, this is definitely a terrorist attack. So uh, you can find me on our social media platforms at Joshua Patrick on Facebook and Instagram. You can find the show email address if you have any questions, concerns, topics that you would like us to reach at. Where was I going with this at gmail.com? Cole, tell them your propers. Hey, you can find me on Instagram at project.orcon, O-R-C-O-N, and also at cole.paints on Instagram. And you can find the show on Instagram at W-W-I-G-W-T. Two days in a row. I like I nailed it. it. I nailed it. Nailed it again. So uh, I guess what we're going to start out with is just to get it out of the way. Um, do you remember where you were when you first found out about the terrorist attacks? Um, were you in school? Were you at home? Uh, what was your first memory of this horrific event? I was... I was at school. I was in my third period English class Mm -hmm. uh, with Mrs. Hansen, who was a bitch. (laughs) Uh, And they turned on the TV and the first tower had been hit Mm -hmm. already. And we watched the second one hit live, which was real fucked up. Yeah. And a girl in that classroom in the actual classroom that I was in, not just in my class, but in that classroom's father was working in New York at the World Trade Center at the time. Did he perish or did he make it out? He got out, but he was, he was actually working there. I actually, he was, he was in New York working at the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that he was actually physically present at the buildings at the time, luckily enough. But of course she was wigging the fuck out. I, and, uh, yeah, I can only imagine. I yeah, and, and like at that point, anybody if you tried to call anybody in the entire city of New York, it didn't work because literally everybody was on the phone with everybody one hundred percent of the time. Um, yeah, that's a hundred percent accurate. We'll get into a little bit more of that uh, later in the show. Um, I was waking up. Um, I got up about ten a.m. And I walk into the front room and my stepfather is watching television. He says, do you have any idea what's going on right now? And I'm looking at him like, no, what, what's going on? And I was expecting no big deal or, or anything. And uh, he was like, uh, 
the United States is under attack. And then he shows me what he's watching on CNN or whatever news outlet he had on at that time. And um, I had missed both plane attacks. However, I was seeing both of them uh, going up in flames and eventually collapsing. So um traumatic event obviously um i can't imagine what it was like to be a new yorker uh especially one in lower manhattan that day especially one within a two mile radius of ground zero and the amount of panic the amount of destruction the amount of death that your eyes had to see um i can't imagine the bravery it took for the 343 FDNY firefighters to run into the building to try and save lives, ultimately to perish um, when either the planes hit or when debris was falling was how most of them met there. Uh, demise is what I've read and seen in numerous documentaries and um, first responders in general, EMTs, police officers, everybody on board that day was working tirelessly and seamlessly on something that you cannot practice. Um, it's just one of them things that was outstanding and it brought our country together for the most part for quite some time, like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, what was your reaction when, um, we'll get into the timeline of events after this question, but what was your reaction when you first saw this? Did you have any instincts that it was an accident? Did you think that it was a terrorist attack? Uh, had they already discovered that when you were sitting there watching the, the film? um in class when when we uh when we first started watching it it was like i said after the uh the initial plane the first plane had hit but before okay. the second one and they were talking you know we don't know what this is this could be an accident right but, i mean everybody knows that i feel like everybody knew that that wasn't an accident that's the, it's the, like you, you didn't not see that building chilling there sticking what 100 stories up it's I feel like everybody kind of knew that we were being attacked, but didn't want to say it. And then the second that plane hit, it was like, oh, shit, this is real. And then kind of a little bit of panic, like across the country, a little bit of panic, because you don't know how well orchestrated this shit's going to be. Are they going to go at the Sears Tower? Are they going to go at the, you know, whatever the fuck next? And New Yorkers thought that it was either the Triborough Bridge the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, that's um, the thing. Like, are they going to blow up? Who knows? Are they going to try and make a mess of the whole thing? They're going to uh, knock out the Golden Gate Bridge. They're going to fly into, you know, whatever. Yeah. Highway systems, uh, Empire State Building. Um, Power plants. What, a, you know, like, try and really fuck us up. Because we, I don't mean to make light of it, but, like, we got lucky in that. That was the extent of it. Because it. Had, wasn't there, was there more? Was there more people that they had stopped? There was one plane that kind of went down in the middle of nowhere, right? United 93 went down in Shanksville, Shanksville, Pennsylvania at 
what time was that? Um, 10.03 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that one was later admitted by Al-Qaeda that was headed for the Capitol. Most people picture the White House right. as the ultimate target, the ultimate victory. However, if a plane were to fly into the Capitol, kill senators, um, uh, every ounce of government officials that we have, that's the way to make a country have to rebuild from the ground up, panic, um, start fresh, make all like all of our economy collapse. Everything yeah. was attached to that Capitol building. Yeah, and, um, it, it could have been worse. But was it? I I don't know if we ever found out. Was there like? I mean, I guess we may or may not know. But like somebody who just didn't. I know the one went down. The mm -hmm. flight ninety three went down. But was was there anybody else who was supposed to have like engaged in an attack that didn't that we are aware of? Not like, that I'm aware of through the documentaries I've seen. That doesn't mean that there haven't been. Um, or somebody, you know, somebody just chicken shit out at the last second was like, I can't go through with this and take over mm -hmm. this fucking plane. Uh, you know, we don't know. It could. That's the thing. Like there was so there was so much up in the air at that. <laughs> there was so much up in the air at that point that like we right. had no fucking clue. Is this going to be two planes? Is this going to be 50 planes? Is this going to be, are there bombs in, you know, in whatever? It was, we had no idea. It was, it was a very, it was a very, very up, upsetting and unsure thing to, to witness, especially as I was like fucking 13 or 14. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, in 1945, there was an M45 Mitchell bomber that struck the Empire State Building on accident. And, they refer back to that, and that's why the initial, we think it was a small aircraft that hit the building um, on the North Tower. The North Tower was the first one to get struck. So um, um, 9.03 a.m., the, or excuse me, let's see here. Uh, between 7.59 a.m. and 8.42 a.m., four commercial flights take off, two from Boston, one from D.C., one from Newark, all headed for California. After takeoff, all four planes had been hijacked by terrorists affiliated with al-Qaeda. Um, at 8.46 a.m., uh, hijackers crashed the first flight uh, American Airlines Flight 11 into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Uh, we discussed a few seconds ago that 9.03 a.m. Flight 175 of United was crashed into the South Tower. Um, at 9.05, the infamous picture of George Bush looking completely stunned in the kindergarten classroom as wow. he's going to read the book. I don't know if it was because he was frightened on what was going on in America or that he didn't know all the words, words to the Dr. Seuss book that he had to read to the children. Yeah. But I, I think, think he had just opened that book and found the word prologue and just froze. Yeah. He, he, he was trying to sound it out. Uh, anyway, chief of staff, Andrew uh, card tells George Bush 
that uh, America is under attack. So he addresses the nations shortly thereafter and then gets in Air Force One and requires um, or requests um, fighter pilots to surround that, the White House, and the whole D.C. area. But that's much later in the day. Um, 937, um, hijackers crash American Airlines Flight 77 into the Pentagon. Um, once again, it was, uh, did a pretty good chunk of damage. That's like, the thing that blows my mind is how precise these pilots were for people that weren't pilots. Like they went to South Florida to learn how to fly. And it amazes me how accurately they moved such large projectile at their targets it's it's, it's amazing um I, I think that actually would probably be easier than you think those things like the modern planes are so fucking advanced that really you're in there playing a video game you're not putting any work in you're pointing it at what you want it to hit especially when you're not worried about you know safety and landing and yeah i guess that that kind of does take the pressure off yeah um, i yeah, you're not trying to set her down gently yeah i uh I don't know if you've played Nintendo, especially Top Gun for Nintendo, but trying to land the plane on the aircraft carrier was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So um, that's why I just automatically associate difficulty levels of extreme when it comes to hitting buildings with airplanes. But now that I think about it, the planes are so fucking large and the buildings are so fucking large. Like you said, it's a pretty accurate statement those, that it's those a buildings lot. are massive. They are yeah. absolutely massive. It's probably an easier said than, or excuse me, an easier job to do than I'm imagining. But yeah, um, I think it is relatively easy. But you know, that's not the point. Exactly. Um, <laughs> 9:42 a.m. The FAA grounds all flights. That's one of the most significant things that I remember from the day. Um, not only was it an absolutely gorgeous day, almost no clouds in the sky, yeah. but the sound of silence was deafening that day, uh, especially after they grounded all flights. Yeah, it, it was fucking trippy for a couple days because like you didn't see a fucking plane. You didn't see a plane Anywhere, every and like I don't know about you, but the twelfth, I was at home. They yeah. like shut down school. I think everybody was at home. They shut down fucking everything. Yeah, the city it, was empty. Yeah, like you said, you had no idea what was next. Were they going to hit Sears Tower on the twelfth, and then the bridge on the thirteenth? You had no idea what the plans were. They going to fuck up the subway system? Was it going to be a nuclear and, war? Who, yeah, who and that was the thing, especially since like. It wasn't a military target. They didn't hit a base. They weren't trying to blow up soldiers, and they didn't hit. I mean, they hit the Pentagon, but like the the, the World Trade Center towers. So you know, there's normal ass businesses in there. There's, right. You know, they were hitting civilians. So you don't know. Are they going to fucking take out Disney World? Are they going to yeah. take you know like shit like that? You don't know. And it was just everything was uncertain as hell, and you don't know what the fuck are the trains going to start blowing up because they landed all the planes, and I, right. it was it was crazy. Yeah, it was definitely uh, mind-numbing. 9.45 a.m., the White House and the Capitol are evacuated. Uh, 9.59, the South Tower collapses. 
even though it was the second tower hit, it was the first to collapse. Um, we already discussed at 10.03, United 93 um, hit Southern Pennsylvania and missed its intended target, which was later admitted by Al-Qaeda to be the Capitol building. Um, at 10.28, the North Tower collapses. Um, there's only three more things that I have written down for the timeline, so I'm going to just knock them out, and then we'll discuss. Um, 11.02, Giuliani orders the evacuation of Lower Manhattan. Um, and at 5.20 p.m., Building 7 of the World Trade Center, a 47-story building adjacent to the Twin Towers, collapses after being hit by falling debris from both of the other Twin Towers. Um, the amount of... We all have seen the pictures of the collapse and the dust mound that starts essentially chasing, for lack of a better word, everybody within a surrounding perimeter it was like two fucking miles yeah and it just covered kept, in dust it kept going and it kept going and me at that young age i was 18 maybe 19 i had just graduated um all i'm thinking is it's just dust but when you think about what's actually in that dust sh shards of metal um, plastics, uh, asbestos, every chemical under the fucking sun. Exactly. With, with the amount, with the amount of different businesses and things operating in those buildings, every chemical and every terrible thing under the sun is in there. There was all kinds of storage in there. There was, you know, there was, there was everything in there. I remember yeah. seeing images from, from, uh, uh, the, the below street level storage shit, mm -hmm. uh, when they were cleaning things out and there was like, uh, I don't know if it was a bank or just like a, a security hold in there where they had been storing. Uh, I don't know who it was had, had been storing actual gold, gold bars, you know, the things that back up money and the, uh, the, uh, the gold had melted because it's got a relatively low melting point had mm -hmm. melted and was just pouring down into the foundation from how hot, uh, like, wow. yeah, like it, it's, it's crazy at that. The dust from that was concrete, which can kill you alone. Concrete mm -hmm. dust is not good for you. Asbestos, all of that. It's everything, and it's yeah. all bad. And it went into the lungs of tens of thousands of New Yorkers. Um, a little later, we'll get into a discussion about um, what the phrase never forget means to me. Uh, means to you, um, yeah. if you so choose. But um, Steve Buscemi, uh, obviously a well-known actor for his roles on The Sopranos, for his role as Boardwalk Empire, um, Big Lebowski, uh, Fargo, and tons of other movies, was a firefighter for five years at Engine 55, in, I believe, I'm going to get this wrong, but I believe it was Staten Island. I would have to double check, and I'm not going to do that right now. But we do know for a fact that um, he was retired at that point. But September 11th was primary day, so that meant that there was an election going on, and he was supposed to head to Toronto. 
he said, there's no way I'm not voting. So I'm going to catch the first flight out of Toronto and, or, or I'll vote and then catch the first flight. I'll be in Toronto by 10 AM because of the time game. Anyway, um, he ends up never taking that flight and going down the next day and bringing up all his old gear and trying to help his crew clean up to the best of his ability for the next three to four days. I believe he helped out with, um, the cleanup efforts. Um, I was this week years old when I found this out. Um, I kind of hate that phrase when people say it, but fuck it. Um, I get it. It's kind of funny. It's just being beaten to death. Yeah, I hear you. That's Um, what the internet does. True story. When the buildings collapsed, when the fires, when the um, gas explosions, the car explosions, when everything started eating away at the surface of New York City's grounds, it destroyed a vast majority of the plumbing slash uh, water supply that was able to come into the fire hydrants around New York City. So when they had the structure fires, they used a retired boat from 1994 called the John Harvey, excuse me, the John J. Harvey. Um, It was captained by a gentleman named Huntley Gill. And they used that to dock to the shore of the Hudson River. Um, Obviously, a vessel that large had some difficulty. So they ended up using trees to dock because that's not meant to be someplace where a fireboat. But that served as one large fire hydrant pumping water out of the Hudson River to put out all the fires around the structures because you couldn't get any pressure. It was essentially leaking, just drizzling water out because all the pressure had been destroyed by the carnage taking place in lower Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, I can't, like, that's the thing. Like like you said, you that's it's not even a thing that you can prep for. It's such a large-scale and catastrophic thing that, like, no one factors that in. Is this is this sewer line going to be able to take it if that building up there falls on it? Yeah. No, it's not. And we can't build it to do that because that's stupid. Yeah, like you, the, there was so many curveballs that you had to the, that they had to to tackle in shit. They were finding people for like ten days, weren't they? Like finding li- living people trapped in places for 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 days, and shit is still just breaking breaking all around it that was that was fucking crazy some of the things about this this that day that um are most impactful to me are the sounds of it uh we spoke of the sound of silence when the aircraft carrier or excuse me when the airlines um grounded all the flights um we also heard the chirping sounds of things reminiscent of crickets, which the firefighters wear. So yeah. before, and it was a constant barrage of. Yeah. The, the movement things. Exactly. Which yeah. made you want to throw up because what it essentially meant was those were all missing 
dead those are corpses at this point those are corpses those are just corpse signalers like or pretty close to it yeah or um, somebody that if you don't get to right fucking now he's going to be a corpse correct um the sounds of that day will be stuck and embedded in my memory forever um it's there's the, you said it perfectly there's nothing you can do to prepare for something like that um there's a lot of negative things to take away from that day as well um we'll touch on a few um the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, had funding from the United States for quite some period of times with weapons contracts and things like that. So essentially paying the people that attacked us to attack us. Um, Appropriately enough, we just hooked them up with a bunch of a bunch of brand new shit, you know, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, very recent. Um Aircrafts, uh, not the ones used that day, obviously, because they were hijacked from um, four relatively close um, airports. But it was like the United States was in bed with Al Qaeda. And it almost felt like I could see where conspiracy theorists go with it when they say there's so many things that don't add up. I'm not saying it was a conspiracy and the government did it. I'm not saying that. Um, if there's a something like that that's that big of a secret, somebody spills the beans eventually. Um, yeah. What I am saying is um, the World Trade Center structures were owned by Port Newark. Or excuse me, excuse me, Port Authority, the New York Port Authority. Two months prior to 9-11, they were sold to a rich businessman. I don't have his name, um, but when they sold it, he found out that those buildings were insured at the most minimal coverages and levels possible. So he immediately upped the ante being a strategic businessman <clears throat> that... If something happens, I want to get what I'm putting my money into. So, which, which is only suspicious because they fell. Exactly. You know, if 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 you're some billionaire who just had the money to purchase those buildings, right? I'm, I, if that was me, I'm going to up that fucking insurance too. You got to be. You have to. It's yeah, the that's right. just cover your ass. That's exactly. That's all it, that is. It, it makes you wonder why. Uh, the Port Authority didn't have proper coverage on it anyway, especially after having a flight hit the Empire State Building in 1973. That Port Authority is municipality, man. Port Authority is government. Yeah. Government's dumb. You they know, go with, I mean, they went with what's cheap. That's how they do things. That's how they do things is just, hey, lowest bidder. We can get these insured. This covers our bare minimum costs. Nobody wants to take on anything beyond that. It's the government. It's, it's, Somebody ticked that box. Insurance on the buildings. Done. Yeah. So when the billionaire buys it, the guy who has incentive to make money, that makes sense. That yeah. I don't feel as though that's suspicious. No. Um, a lot of conspiracy theorists thought, well, well, that happened on purpose because now he's going to get a huge settlement for the money he just... Why would he want something to be 
destroyed immediately after purchasing something with such powerful area and landscape around it. He thought maybe that this little incident could slip under the radar and no one would really notice that two of the most iconic buildings in the entire country and the largest city of the country could fall and people would just be like, did you hear about that? Exactly. Yeah. No, um, not suspicious. That's like that's far from suspicious to me. So another I was this week years old moment. I watched Spike Lee's documentary. Um, it is called New York, the epicenter 9-11 to 2021 and a half. Um, the first few episodes talk about the way New York City handled COVID and the doings afterwards. The last two episodes talk about 9-11 and certain aspects in which 9-11 was handled by people and government officials, especially Giuliani and um, some of the other folk. Um, but what I took away from it was there was a man. Um, we all bitch about our jobs from time to time. So before I state his name and tell his story, let me tell you his job. He was responsible. Um, the North Tower is 110 stories tall. And his only duty for a whole day's work was to sweep every single stair in every stairwell on 110 stories of the North Tower. Now, I get it. How much money was this man making? I don't know. How big were his quads? <laughs> That's a good question. That dude had a dumper. He was trying to call in that day. He woke up late, running late. So many stories you hear of people just barely missing out. Like, uh, wasn't Tarantino supposed to be on one of these flights that was going into it or something like there that? Was, there was a few famous people that were supposed to be flying right. either, you know, on the flights, got bumped or whatever. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of that shit. And we still can't get Von Jovi on a fucking helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I digress. Anyway, Michael Rodriguez is the gentleman's name who was responsible for cleaning the stairs. And that was his one job. Now, every corridor was accessible by a master key for a building as large as World Trade Tower number two. You would expect I was expecting to have 10, 12 keys. There's four. Yeah. Four fucking keys that opened the doors to every door. And he was the only one that showed up that day after trying to call off and getting a guilt trip from his boss. So he eventually gets told to go home. And he's like, fuck you. My friends are trapped up there. People I yeah. work with. And the fire department wanted him to give the key to them so they can use it. And he's like, no, let's go. Follow me. We'll do it faster this way. I know my way around. Yeah. So he helped open and probably was responsible for saving hundreds of lives by just having the balls to go back in there. Yeah. And the best part about it is he made it back out before the collapse of the building. Um, it was right before the collapse of the building. Uh, somebody screamed at him when he got at the ground floor and they yelled, don't look back. 
And the first thing you're going to do when somebody yells at is look back. Yeah, and absolutely. It was bodies of people that were jumpers. Yeah. It was bodies of people that had fallen from uh, the structure and the, the crash. And he was just in shock. And all of a sudden, he can hear that that tower was starting to collapse. So he got his ass out of there and somehow lived to tell about it later. Um, he still wears the key around his neck like a medallion of honor, which... Um, Next time you complain about an immigrant being in your country, uh, tell me that you'd go sweep the 110 stories of each stairwell in the World Trade Center. I wouldn't make it up five feet. Well, and, I don't even. I don't even. I won't even go upstairs to poop. I'll and, go down. And he probably did it for ten bucks an hour. So uh, next time you're yeah. complaining about an immigrant, think about uh, a having a little. Um, compassion and be how they work so much harder than most of us uh, all of us yeah let's be honest all of us it's 100 percent true um i've seen the meme where it says uh it's got a white family praying for their meal and it says thank you jesus and then it's got the mexican farmer in the cornfields that says de nada de nada <laughs> so. yeah. no it's shit i've worked with quite a few you know in my prolific career quite a few mexican immigrants and <laughs> they circled me man they fucking danced around me all goddamn day and that was like one of three jobs for them and i'm like i'm tired because i'm hung over because i'm a piece of shit and i'm lazy and they're like take it easy we'll get this right they're the hardest working fucking people on the planet not only are they the hardest working fucking people on the planet, but they're positive fucking, attitude the whole fucking time too. They're amazing. Positive attitude to hang out with. Most of them, like if you sit down at the end of the day and you say, "Hey, Cerveza," and you sit there and shoot the shit with them, even if there's a small or slight language barrier, it's a beautiful thing. The the camaraderie that you can build with somebody by just giving a chance. So. Uh, I would like to say thank you to Michael Rodriguez, even though I doubt he ever hears this. But um, you, my friend, get a tip of the cap for saving hundreds of lives at least that day. And I appreciate the set of balls you have on you because most people were running from and you ran back in. So, and like, absolutely. Like, you know. Cheers to that, dude. That's that's amazing, and that's you know heroic, and nobody has the obligation to do that. But there are also I can't I I guarantee you there are hundreds of people that were in those buildings that you will never hear the name of, you will never be able to hear the story of who were doing the right thing and making every effort to help everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And you'll 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 never know. You'll never no. know. There was there 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 was a lot of people showing a lot of sack in there, trying to fucking help. But there's no out. I remember. I remember seeing um, on one of them. Uh, I don't know which tower it was, but there was a group of like ten people up top, yeah. uh, top building, waving at waving at the helicopters and news helicopters and shit. And they're just like, we we can't go near you, right? You know, like what? Those people on the on the top of the building are like, the fire's below me. Yeah, that building is falling down. What do you do? What yeah. would you do if you're on you're on the very top? What what the fuck do you do? You go to the top of the building, like you just said, and you pray that one of the choppers will come near you. But 
Those choppers weren't going to get anywhere fucking near them, man. You can't land on that thing. It's unstable. It's on fire and all that. Yeah. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, your, your options are jump off, which you know is guaranteed death, mm -hmm. or try and ride that baby down. I'm, That's, I mean, it's, it's also guaranteed death, but it might take longer. I'm probably jumping and hoping that the, path down is uh, enough to make you pass out and lose consciousness before you get to the ground. Yeah, that's what that's I mean, that's honestly that's what you hope for, right? Like you just That's all you can. Yeah, let's make this fast cuz that's a fucked situation. Like that that desperation is not a thing that I can even, can even imagine. Cuz I'm not doing the burning alive thing. That's that's no, not an option. Fuck that. No. Fuck I, that. I will I will paint my brain all over the road before I let myself burn to death like that. You know, I agree. Um, there's one last person that I want to talk about, and then we can uh, discuss a few other things and we'll get out of here. Um, but um, have you ever heard of the man in the red bandana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what did he do? He let he yeah, went he, back he, in, right, and led a correct. shitload of people out, like a lot of people out, didn't he? Correct. He was uh, his name was Wells Remy Crowther, and they had an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on him. He was a Boston College graduate who played uh, who was captain of the lacrosse team. And his signature thing was always wearing a red bandana under his lacrosse helmet. So his parents were worried because they knew he worked in tower number one and all that people could describe of somebody that was helping him was it was like an angel wearing a, um, a red crown or a red halo. Um, and he went back in with his signature bandana that he brought with him everywhere, even when you're wearing a suit and tie, tied that motherfucker on and went in and led um, 18 people and 18 people to certain safety and uh, dozens more to possible safety that they couldn't confirm because they went to numerous different stairwells yeah. in power one. So, um, if you ever have a chance, it's called The Man in the Red Bandana, Wells Remy Crowther, C-R-O-W-T-H-E-R. -E I would also like to give a tip of the cap and thank you for your dedication. Um, as Cole said, for everybody in there that was doing the right thing and trying to help and make this whole godforsaken experience uh as I'm going to say as, as, as seamless, least bad as yeah, possible, as seamless yeah, an evacuation as you possibly could. Yeah. Uh, the ones that never get recognized, we thank you um, because I've never thought about that in all the 20 years. I've never thought about the people that were doing the right thing and probably never made it out alive to tell their story. There, I guarantee, and I guarantee you, there's a shitload of them. There's a shitload of people in there that were doing that were doing the right thing and trying, trying their best to keep their people safe and get them out. And 
you'll never know. You'll never know. That's uh, and I uh, I didn't have time to look it up and confirm any of it, but I do remember at the time because there is a lot, and who knows how much of it's true. There's a lot of stories of this happened in there and that happened in there and rumor and all kinds of shit. But I do remember at the time hearing about. I believe it was a blind person in one of the towers mm-hmm. who was able to lead a significant number of people out because he knew how to get around and he couldn't see and everything's filled with smoke and everyone else is lost. And he was just like, Hey y'all, I don't need these peepers. I know how to get around and I can't see regardless. So just follow me. There was a blind person who I recall leading a group of people through a stairwell and getting them out. That's fucking amazing. Stay low and let's go. Yeah, that's, and yeah, like and, and like you like you were saying with the dust, that building's on fire. Mm-hmm. That dust and that smoke inside that building also had everything in it. Oh, yeah. you got plastic and rubber and electrical and chemicals and all kinds of shit burning in there. That I mean, those people were blind. They were lost, turned around, and confused. You don't know what area is safe, and you like that's you may think you know the buildings that you work in, but like. You pick, have a hotel, pick like a hotel, you know, if you turn all the lights off and you say, you know, you put them on the top floor and you say, get out of here, you'll never be able to get out without no, a fire. Not a chance. Not no. unless you're a long time employee. Yeah. Um, and we're talking like decades. Um, the worst part of the whole experience was the close to 300,000 lives that were lost that day. Um, 3,000. It was 3,000 something. Yeah, uh, it was just under 3,000. Yeah, I said 300,000, didn't I? Those would have been really, really tall buildings. Yeah, my apologies. Uh, (laughs) It was 2,900 and change. I don't remember the exact number, but uh, that was the worst part of the day. Um, And that sounds foolish to say, considering, but I think the most traumatic part of the day was seeing the jumpers, the people that had no other option. And they started showing that live on the news feeds. And just imagine being. There was some, there was somebody, there had to have been somebody, somebody's mom, somebody's husband, somebody's wife, some who was like watching that, like, Oh, I wonder if Doug's okay. Exactly. And And then, like um, that's i mean i'm it's important to show mm-hmm. it's important to show on television because the people deserve to know just how genuinely terrible the situation is but i can't even wrap my fucking head around being like i'm watching the news cuz that's where my loved one works and oh there they are plummeting at terminal velocity to the earth we spoke earlier about cell phone coverage and everybody in lower manhattan essentially everybody in the world uh, or excuse me, in the United States, trying to use cell phones. Are you seeing this shit? Are you seeing this shit? Please tell me you're out of the tower. Or did you, all of that type of conversation. Um, there were so many different voicemails left by people that either were saying their final goodbyes to their family, thought they were saying their final goodbyes to their family, or somehow miraculously were able to live another day and embrace their family. Um, Making that call is something that I couldn't fathom on having to do and staying composed while doing so. um, 
there's one thing I say about the afterlife, and I don't even know if it exists, but the one thing I say about it, uh, whether you're a Christian, an atheist, uh, Muslim, doesn't matter. I just hope that if there is an afterlife, that we learn the truths of certain questions that we have in life. Like, um, what were the exact events that took place this day? Who had insider knowledge? Um, which people were going out of their way to help? That I, I'm just a glutton for punishment when it comes to that stuff. Um, if there is a heaven, that's what it is. It's an unlimited library. I, I would hope so. Uh, because everything else you could keep. I, I just want, I have so many questions to ask about so many different situations in life um, that I could be there for quite some time. And this is just another situation of it. And uh, I just, I'm glad you joined me to come on and pay our respects, our tributes uh, to those who lost their lives that day. Um, it's something that we truly never will forget. Um, and that phrase in a, uh, we're going to finish on a more somber note. Um, but never forget is something that's being taken for granted by our politicians. Go figure. Um, Shocking. You, you would think that never forget would include all the first responders, even people that were in those buildings um, to help take care of their um, their breathing needs, their, their cardiac needs, anything that may have came through because of the events of 9-11, Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. And the amount, the, yeah, the amount of, uh, of hell that those people went through that day pales in comparison to what a lot of them have dealt with since just trying to get fucking money to pay for the lung cancer treatment that they got for saving everybody's ass. And that is one of the most offensive and disgusting fucking things that I can think of. It's, uh, it's astonishing. And John Stewart has went to the Capitol and spoke. He's a fucking saint for the stuff that he's done there. He's been trying to do, uh, for lack of a better term, the Lord's work for quite some time and get these people the care that they deserve and need and not having to go into copious amounts of debt for doing so. On the same trail, Steve Buscemi is a part of a film called Dust that is going to be released sometime within the next few months. And it is about 9-11 and the same concept of the first responders dealing with the smut that was inhaled that day um, and how they're trying to cope and live with those details. So, um, every that that should offend everybody. It should that, sh that should offend everybody. The fact that uh, I'm I'm a New York firefighter. I run into this building. I save X amount of lives. Doesn't matter. Put a number on it. If it's one, you're good. You know. Yeah. If it's zero, 
but you showed up and you tried. Oh. You, it doesn't matter. You were there. You shouldn't. You should never get a bill. No. And yeah. anybody that says, oh, yeah, yeah, you pay for your own medical care. It's your responsibility. No, you're a piece of shit. And I hope you die of whatever it is terrible and it hurts the whole time you're dying. It's not okay. And it is, it's completely unacceptable that anybody who has done anything that selfless has to worry about how I'm paying these medical bills in mm -hmm. any capacity. Um, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a perfect way to come to a closing. Um, do you have any final thoughts, any statements that you'd like to end with? Uh, I mean, there's a few, but you know, get well soon, America. Jesus Christ, that. I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, we're in a very tough place right now and most of it has been by our doing and all of, it, uh, all of it has been by our doing correct all of it 100 of it and uh it's time to heal and uh tomorrow when we are paying tribute to those who lost their lives when we're paying tribute to those who worked at the towers or in the neighborhood or had anything to remotely do with the events of 9-11. Um, keep in mind that the government still doesn't care about those first responders who put their lives on the line on a daily basis and are causing them to go bankrupt while the Capitol building has already been morally bankrupt for some years um, well and and i do want to say that it extends beyond just first responders yes firefighters emts police officers ever there mm -hmm. should never have to worry about any of that ever but there was hundreds and thousands of other people the guy that owns the deli the video store dude everybody in that area that helped out that also got you know, these crazy lung issues and all of these other health complications from it. I don't care if you're wearing a cop costume or you're dressed like the EMT guy. Every single one of those people should be in the same boat. Yes, first responders, first and foremost, whatever. But every single person that helped out should be in the same boat. And being putting on the first responder outfit isn't it doesn't separate you from everybody else and it doesn't make everybody else separate from you all of the people that helped out should be in that boat too and they shouldn't have to want for a goddamn thing that's a great point cole and i'm glad you brought it up because you said uh, should all be in the same boat and i almost forgot um one of the main points and over five hundred thousand people were brought to safety that day via the hudson river um not just that fireboat in which i spoke of but the Staten Island Ferry, um, people that owned boats were going over to help. Um, yeah, that, and that's and that was like that was that was exemplified all across the city. There was people like I said, the deli, the guy who opens his deli and just says, hey, you got somebody injured. Bring him in here. Exactly. Get him out of the fucking way. Get him out of the, like everybody. There was everybody was pitching in to help. We see every single one of those people is a hero and every single one of those people should be treated the same as the cops and the firefighters and the EMTs that were there. Yeah, we've seen that numerous times where uh, people were opening their business 
to come in as the smoke was yeah, people were letting them into their fucking apartments get the yeah. fuck out of the street get in here you're gonna die get in here like right. it was happening all over the place anybody anybody that could help was helping um and all of those people in my mind are on the same level you were helping people i don't care what your job is or what you get paid to do all of those same all of those people are on the exact same level you're you're 100 right there is no uh um there is no John Doe receives treatment before FDNY um, firefighter. Um, so I guess that's a redundant term, but you get what I'm saying. They're yeah, all, yeah. No, it's just all of those people. If like, you know, it's at that point, you're, they're just humans and they're helping. They're American. It doesn't matter who pays you or what, what you wore to work that day. Everyone was just helping. Exactly. Um, Cole, I am grateful for you to join me last minute. Um, this popped into my head uh, that I wanted to pay tribute with you um, since we've been doing a podcast together for the last nine weeks. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, tomorrow, um, let's lift a cocktail in memory of those we lost, in memory of those who survived, and in memory of what a nation can look like when we all come together, even if it was only for a few days um, or a few months when we pretended like we all liked each other. Until the flags on your minivan got tattered and we decided, you know. To start hating everyone again. So, <laughs> To be fair, to be fair, it was a good, it was a pretty unifying time for everyone except Go talk to your Muslim friends. Exactly. They did the brown, not have a good time. The brown folk were not uh, treated the best by us or um, by Americans in general. And uh, it always seems like racism will show its face no matter what the case. Um, but uh, I guess the camaraderie and the helpfulness is where I'd like us to get back to. And um, who knows? Let's just hope that we don't have to ever deal with something of this magnitude again. And uh, let's just uh, pray for the families of those or send positive vibes or whatever for the families who have lost and for those that were lost. So, um, And, and. Do whatever the fuck you can to help those people. Sign a petition, mm -hmm. vote, do whatever. None of those people should be hurting with their medical bills. None of those people should be hurting for a goddamn thing. There are petitions out there. There are causes out there. There are ways that you can help. Google it. Yeah. Figure it out. Do a quick Google search. Maybe Google um, John Stewart. Um, 9 11 efforts. I'm I sure think he does. He something. does have a fund. He has a, I believe John Stewart himself has a fund for it. Mm -hmm. We could fucking look it up and I'll put a link to something somewhere. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, John's just, John Stewart's done a, fun, a, a ton of work and it's, it's, God, I love that guy. He's, the he's, he's one of the dude. few that are speaking out in defense of these people. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Me too. But yeah, John Stewart's done amazing work and he's a very, very, very educated and uh, eloquent person who's got a, a, a dagger of delivery. Yeah. And uh, a hell of a mean streak too when he gets in front of Congress. I love it. Yeah. So, They've um, earned it. Yeah, absolutely. They've yeah. definitely earned it. Um, 
Cole, thank you again for joining us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for our special tribute episode to uh, 9-11. The 20-year anniversary is tomorrow. Um, we will be back next week with a new episode, episode 10 of Where Was I Going With This Podcast. Um, I'm Josh Catlow. Cole, bring us on, brother. I'm Cole Bilton. Get well soon, America. Good night. Peace.